So I was always fascinated, I think, by technology. So meaning applied science that's changing the world mm -hmm. around it. You should go to McKinsey because they will like your profile. Mm -hmm. And I knew a little bit of McKinsey, so it sounded like a good kind of next step. And now I think we realize like 80% of these apps we are not using. They're just sitting there on the phone. And so I think the next era is this conversational era. Environment is changing, microeconomic environment, everything is different from, let's say, two years ago. But I think we are still in a very strong position to lead our industry and also a broader uh, tech space. Today we talked with Ivan Ostoich, who went from PhD in molecular biology to being a chief business officer in a startup unicorn. So I was always fascinated, I think, by technology. So meaning applied science that's changing the world mm -hmm. around it. And, um, you know, I actually had this kind of a balance because I thought, okay, um, I like natural sciences. I still like them and I, I think molecular biology is one of the most complex things uh, you can study uh, because it describes, you know, how organisms work in a very granular mo molecular level. And, um, you know, I went for it because I saw that's the next wave that's coming. Um, but then, you know, I was still in a basic science. I had good publications and so forth. And I was interested in technology. So because I was in Zurich and there was uh, Swiss Federal Institute of Technology, ETH, which is another fantastic institution that's also very stimulating. You know, people who do science, especially biomedical science, they're like, they can do three things because they have a lot of hands, at, a lot of time at their hands because you put, mm -hmm. you set up the experiments and then, you know, you have free time. <laughs> so there, there are three things you can do. So you can either read papers and go deeper. You can go and play sports, gym and stuff like that. And you come check your experiments or you could do something else. And because I was always curious and I was always interested in technology and economics, I met some guy who was doing a course of study at ETH in, in this, um, you know, management technology economics. And I got very interested and I realized, well, I can get, again, the best, one of the best educations in Europe for free. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I actually, instead of doing sports and, um, uh, you know, reading more papers, I actually wanted to broaden my views. So from there, I entered this interesting uh, world of technology management. Mm -hmm. And that kind of dualism then kept me a lot uh, through my career because I was very deep in healthcare, etc. But I always had this view on, you know, how to use the basic science uh, or the basic knowledge and transfer mm -hmm. it uh, to value for humanity, so i.e. technology. And that's, that's maybe why and how it was just like um, a lot of curiosity and energy and and a lot of work, but I learned a lot because you start kind of understanding um, on one hand, you know, more, more deeper what you can do with, let's say, biology or, or biochemistry and the other, how tech companies work because it was just, it was 2008, so at the time, mm -hmm. the big giants were just, just growing. And now what we have today, although I'm not in that field, uh, we have a confluence between, you know, kind of um, digital technologies and life science. You see many pharma companies now basing their research program on AI. Mm -hmm. So I think over time, life science companies will start working like, like tech companies. Well, what drew you to the business side? I understand the curiosity and the science side, but usually people who work in science are not interested in the business side. Yeah, I think there is one, maybe even today, in a way, problem in education, maybe it's being solved. Um, I'm, I'm really interested, I was really interested 
in technology mm -hmm. like like but not this kind of okay boring analytics but really from a strategic side you know like a big thinking how can we innovate or bring something new and just having you know going deeper in sort of basic science didn't give me that angle of technology yes i could have t thought about startups and so forth but i really wanted to 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 know you know to understand the economy to understand how the technology can contribute uh, and how to drive progress and then i felt like I, I believe in education i always say this you know you can all learn on the way but i felt like oh i would really profit from you know learning from other let's say business people mm -hmm. or technologists how to do it so i entered business more through education trying to mm -hmm. comprehend um how to you know how to first of all um understanding economical environment and how that drives certain things and then how to drive applications of basic science in a way and that's what draw me into business when it draw to business is that why you switch to specifically consulting in mckinsey where it's like very different topics all the time it was stimulating yeah, so that's an inter interesting story. So we actually, I never put this in CV because it didn't, was not last long, but a couple of us actually had a startup. Really? In Zurich, okay, like a so digital startup. So <laughs> actually, you know, I, I kind of, again, I'm talking about this duality where I have two hats, like deep on one and then technology. So we had more tech, digital tech startup, but one of the founders found a job in IBM. Uh, he's a friend of mine. And I remember he told me like, okay, like now this is falling apart, but you should go to McKinsey because they will like your profile. Mm -hmm. And I knew a little bit of McKinsey, so it sounded like a good kind of next step uh, mm -hmm. to build yourself. So uh, yes, I, I came to McKinsey with intent to, you know, really not just be a theoretical, but get some hands-on experience on the business mm -hmm. to open other opportunities. But mm -hmm. then when I came there, it was very exciting. So I stayed for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, at McKinsey, you uh, led a think tank called the Global Technology Council. And one of the deep dive groups was dedicated to machine learning, the other one to quantum computing. Uh, what did those sessions look like? Were there any other topics that now come to mind that were as interesting or? Yeah, so I'll, I'll come to the think tank. I think I was very privileged to be in McKinsey in some sort of time of transition. So maybe mm -hmm. first uh, three or four years of McKinsey was more of a, let's say, standard strategic consulting. Yeah. You know, client kind of hires you, you do some thinking, brainstorming, problem solving, mm -hmm. and you drive projects. And then roughly around two, 2015, uh, McKinsey acquired an AI company called Quantum Black. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, this company was actually featured in British Economist and others. Um, uh, because they did some extraordinary thing in Formula One mm -hmm. uh, and uh, other kind of, they used big data to optimize HR processes, etc. Sorry, what was the reason McKinsey acquired the quantum? So this is an interesting story. So uh, we started collaborating, or McKinsey started collaborating with Quantum Black on a, on a specific project uh, where they were trying to optimize clinical trials in the pharmaceutical industry using big Again. data. Oh, okay. <laughs> and we're back to med. The, then the techie guys realized, oh, we don't know how to sell value to the C-level and you know big programs. And McKinsey realized, well, we're not like a deep technical expert, but the marriage <laughs> somehow made sense. So then McKinsey acquired Quantum Black, and at the time, you know, I, I started being early adopter, so I worked a lot with. 
mm-hmm. those capabilities. Then McKinsey acquired two or three design companies like um, Veriday, um, Lunar from San Francisco. So I was also early adopters to involve them in the project to drive kind of broader digital transformation because I was always interested in technology and innovation. And then the third thing was uh, McKinsey also uh, built a business building practice where we would partner with companies to build new businesses for them. So like traditional enterprises and then new businesses. So I was really kind of together with a bunch of colleagues pioneering that business building, called it Leap. So we would like, you know, go to big enterprise and let's say if you have a traditional insurance and you want to build digital attackers, mm-hmm. you know, we'd work with this company for a year with business builders and so forth. So that was, I just give you a context. That was kind of my path. And I always kept this duality. I did a lot of things in healthcare, but then on the other hand, I did a lot of things in tech. So mm-hmm. I always loved that positioning. And at some point, one of my colleagues, Nico and myself, uh, we said, look, um, we need to say something on emerging trends because people are not looking anymore for next year and uh, technology adoption cycles are accelerating. Mm-hmm. So what it took you, I don't know, 30 years, decades ago to be adopted to, I don't know, 50%. Now you get it in maybe a matter of years. And as we saw now with OpenAI, maybe in a matter of months, right? Yeah, like yeah. rapid adoption that is enabled by confluence of various technologies, you know, because the fact is you have a cloud, you can now expose, the adoption goes faster. So we thought, oh, we need to be able to say something very thoughtful about upcoming technology trends, but not just have a high level view, but really go deep into some technology. So we set up this technology council such that it'll scout for key tech trends, mm-hmm. but not just like McKinsey, really bring, you know, uh, prominent technology thinkers from outside, so like Benedict Evans, Azim Azar, mm-hmm. you know, those people, we were really having sessions where we were discussing, you know, tech future with them, and then doing some analytical works, and they were commenting on our work a little bit like at university. And then we said, okay, we need to have some deep dives on maybe tech topics. One, that we are certain will have legs, and then another one that's maybe a little bit more uncertain. Mm-hmm. So one of the, the certain tech trends was software 2.0. And this I always explained as software writing itself. Mm-hmm. And now with generative AI, you see that this is becoming reality. But software 2.0 is not just so code writing itself. It's a set of tools that enable you to do programming or artificial intelligence in, in much more automated way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, data cl- automation of data cleaning, uh, reusable pieces of code. So we had one group that was really focusing on software 2.0, and then they decided to focus in particular at that time on machine learning operations, because in the past, machine learning was like a bunch of data scientists who crank some code and write it. And then this was moving uh, into direction that you write AI code like you would write software. Mm-hmm. So you have libraries of codes that's already pre-written, you call those libraries, maybe you adjust. You have some algorithms that are checking models for biases and so forth. So all of this MLOps was something that we were li- literally devising. There were people from Tesla, because they were actually, they're pretty advanced in using this technology from Netflix. They were lectures. So that was one which was here and now. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of exciting part. And then there was another exciting uh, part, which is more emerging, really emerging tech, mm-hmm. which is relatively uncertain, but if it works, it can change the world completely. And that was quantum computing. Okay. And 
really, I mean, I was really privileged to sit with those people and discuss the future. So there was um, um, uh, a CEO of SciQuantum. It's one of the leading companies. There were a couple of CEOs of emerging quantum um, uh, companies, uh, whether it's like Zapata, which is more on the uh, hardware side, or, um, uh, sorry, Zapata is on the software side, mm -hmm. or uh, on, on, on the hardware side, like D-Wave and so forth. Like we literally had very senior stakeholders that disagree what will be the dominant technology that compete with each other, but talking about, you know, the future trend. And then we set the future trend of quantum computing and how can it change the world, where it can be applied, what's the maturity. Mm -hmm. And we thought as McKinsey, we need to kind of bring this down, bring this down to business leaders to understand what's the maturity of this technology? Should I be doing something or not? And actually, if this is successful, in which domains of the business this mm -hmm. will be transformative, right? Mm -hmm. Based on what tech can do. Mm -hmm. So, for example, simulating carbon capture enzymes, because today chemistry is a lot of trial and error. Mm -hmm. But you know, with quantum computing, theoretically, it would be possible to simulate, like doing silico experiments, and really find the optimal enzyme that can capture carbon from CO2, and then we kind of mm -hmm. potentially have a path to solving. Um, uh, a climate problem mm -hmm. and so forth and so forth. So we really work on what would be the value of this technology, mm -hmm. what are the swing factors, what's roughly the timeline or the stages and what are the use cases by the industry. And then there was like a massive report we published on that. So I really went into kind of depth of that technology. I was involved in, uh, there was another colleague who actually is a big machine learning expert, Giacomo Corbo. He led the Software 2.0 slash MLOps group. I was participating in the session. It was extremely interesting to hear. I won't name now the car companies for um, for privacy, but we heard that one of the kind of attacker automotive company with 30% of people like a major automotive producer, they can do more mm -hmm. in terms of machine learning and AI because they use these modern techniques of MLOps and probably with higher quality. So, I mean, like these kind of insights you know, we had, and then we were trying to create the playbook, how can big corporations enter this field? So that was like really extremely exciting and also writing a report. Now it became kind of an annual thing. So McKinsey mm -hmm. publishes every year, um, you know, what will be the tech trends and so forth. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned AI a few times, software 2.0. Um, you obviously had a lot of insight and you knew that something was coming, but were you able to predict that uh, the change will be so sudden? We sort of predicted generative AI, but it's very hard to predict on exact form how it looks. So, so here is the quote from the first report. We said, you know, there was an era of more general, general AI, kind of mm -hmm. models, cranking, you know, churn prediction, mm -hmm. stopping somebody churn or recommending next best action. We believe that the next era that's coming is era, we called it at the time, applied AI. So that machines will be able to read, to write, to hear, and you know to see. Mm -hmm. That was kind of how we sort of frame it in one of the reports. And I had many discussions with the clients. Now, it kind of frames, but it's very hard to stipulate exactly how it looked. Mm -hmm. So what caught me a little bit by surprise. So I know the trend is coming. And I think the other trend that we predicted linked to that is 